To another episode of the Climbing Hinge Podcast. I just want her to see and feel my value. The science of social proof is what we're going to be discussing on this episode of the podcast. Many times um, guys will say statements such as, well, I want her to feel my value. I want her to see my value. I want her to be attracted to me. Um, one of the things that they're getting at is the psychological phenomena known as social proof. So what we're going to do on this episode of the podcast is we're going to define social proof from both a psychological and we're going to explain it from an evolutionary perspective, um, why it works and why it's an effective tool to draw somebody towards you to create attraction. Secondly, we're going to talk about the um, set of behaviors that you must be doing in order to enact a successful usage of social proof. Um, third, we're going to talk about when in the stages of a relationship should you be looking to use this and, and not use it. And then fourth and finally, we're going to talk about some specific scenarios by which you can use uh, social proof. I'm just going to walk through some scenarios because you need to be a resourceful, clever thinker in terms of how you use um, this tool. All right, so let's get into a definition and talk about the evolutionary basis for why social proof is an effective tool. Um, so from a psychological um, definition, it is a phenomena. Social proof is a psychological phenomenon whereby the actions and attitudes of other people guide us in our own actions. Now you might ask, why is that the case? Why do we let other people guide our actions? There is an instinctual um, thing called herd mentality, right? We all know of cattle, they herd together, other animals, they behave as herds. And so the evolutionary basis for herding is that when animals gather together, number one, they can minimize the risk of themselves being attacked and killed by a predator, right? Think about it. If you're a, a cow and you're out by yourself and uh, you're not with the herd, if a pack of wolves come along, they're probably going to target you. So what you want to do is stay with the herd. You go along with where the group uh, of cattle is, is moving. You, you use herd mentality that minimizes your risk because if you're within a big group of cows, it's much, le much less likely you're going to get attacked. You still could, but much less likely. Also, if you see where the herd is moving in terms of where they're grazing, um, the other cows might have information about where the good grass is and where it's good to graze. So you'll gain um, knowledge by following them. Another scenario would be, let's just say there's been a mass destruction, a nuclear bomb has um, been set off in your area, it's total destruction. Um, you don't know where it's safe to go, but you see a group of people, everybody is heading in this direction. You don't have any more information um, than they do, so what do you do? Um, it's likely that you will follow the herd because you're going to think that they have knowledge or reason to be going that way. 
So evolutionary basis of herding and the herd mentality is at play here. And it lives within us human beings as well because for many, many, many thousands of years, human beings, of course, were hunted by other animals. We had to stick together um, to defend ourselves, to stay strong also from other tribes and clans. Okay, so that helps us to understand why social proof works. We see other people doing things. We assume, if we don't have any better information, that it must be good. There are four other specific variables at play when it comes to social proof that can make it either more effective or less effective. And they are uncertainty. Um, so I have uncertainty about something. And if I see a group of people doing something, I'm more likely to follow them. Um, similarity means if I see a group of similar people to me doing something, I'm more likely to follow them. Expertise, if I believe or know that the other people have some kind of expertise, I'm more likely to follow them. And the number of people that are going along with the herd. Let's just go through another example. Let's just say I am driving down a street and I'm looking for a store to go into to buy some convenience goods. I'm in a town I don't know anything about. Um, I see two stores. I don't know anything about the stores. I've never seen them before, but they look both look like convenience stores. In one parking lot, there are eight cars, and the cars are all similar to mine, so they look similar. They're the same type of people. Um, I don't know anything about these stores, so there's a lot of uncertainty. In the other store across the street, there are one, there is one car, it's nothing like mine, it's much of a lesser value car, okay? I don't know anything about the expertise of these people, but I know in the one store they have similar cars, and so I'm probably going to go into the store where there's, there's more cars, right? Because it signals to me that there's a probably a, a higher value store that more likely fits my needs versus the other store where there is a one car and it's run down and raggedy in front. So I follow the herd, social proof. Another quick example. Years ago, um, when I, we would be having um, holidays at our house, um, there, my, my partner, girlfriend, her family members, they didn't always um, believe in taking their shoes off at the door. So um, oftentimes I'd have to herd them together and try to tell them to take their shoes off, especially if it was raining or bad weather or something like that. But anyways, um, they didn't like to take their shoes off and talking to them individually was a lot of work. So one time I got the idea of putting a bunch of shoes, all, everybody was taking off their shoes, right? So when people arrived, guess what they did? They took off their shoes because they saw all the other shoes sitting there. So they assumed that was the right thing to do. So it worked amazingly well. And I just, I just did that every time from there on, utilizing the principle of social proof. Another example is that a, a bartender working at a bar. Um, what that bartender may do is they salt their tip jar. So ahead of time, they take their, their tip jar and they put money in it. So that other people, when other people come, they can see the tips in the jar and they say, oh, that's the, the right thing to do because that's what everybody does. So we can see how the psychological phenomena of social proof works. It's effective. 
in your relationship with your partner, your wife, um, your ex, your ex-wife, whoever it may be, that maybe it's somebody you're trying to reunite with, this tool will work in similar ways. If your partner sees that you are demonstrating higher value things, so for example, maybe I've got a lot of friends and I'm really popular and I'm doing lots of activities, I'm wanted. They always want me to do things with them. I might get jealous, but they can see and feel my value. It makes me more valuable, right? I'm, more, I'm wanted by more people. I might be doing things to improve my standing, improving my job or my education. I might have a lot of job offers in the market that tells me, tells my partner that I have high value. It could also tell potential employers the same thing. All right, so that is the uh, psychological and the evolutionary basis for social proof. Let's talk about your behaviors. Um, the social proof, when you execute it and do it, is not done in a vacuum, of course. It's done in a combined, uh, holistic set of behaviors that you uh, behave and act out. If you are doing negative behaviors and your partner has anger, hurt, resentment, spite towards you, you're um, striving to increase your value via social proof is probably not going to be effective. Why? Because their anger, their hurt, their negative emotions towards you will outweigh the positives that you're going to get by enacting social proof. It dilutes them. It dissipates the value. So what we want to do is be good citizens, right? We want to be unaffected, free and loving, secure, high value, smart and cunning as well. Um, so that when I'm doing these things, I'm doing them within a set of behaviors where my partner is going to be feeling positive things, safe, accepted, heard, acknowledged, understood, um, happy, desired, whatever it may be. I can't do these things in a vacuum alone. I have to be doing them um, with a set of holistic behaviors that are eliciting positive emotions from my partner. So keep that in mind. Now, three, when are the times to do this within the evolutionary stages of a relationship? Well, if everything's going good and the relationship is positive, um, I'm still wanting to do things to improve my status and to display social proof. There's no reason not to. That helps to keep my value strong within the relationship. One of the things that can happen in relationships is that two people get together or they get married, and then what happens, maybe the, the guy, the husband, maybe the woman, they get lazy. They stop performing, they stop improving themselves. And then value is lost. Maybe the balance of power shifts, maybe attraction weakens and things start to fall apart. So why let that happen? Maintain consistency. Be disciplined throughout your relationship. Remember, in the United States, 66% of all marriages end in divorce right now. That's two out of three. Don't, don't take chances. All right, so if things are going good in a relationship, you can always be using social proof. If you come to a juncture where, say, your partner breaks up with you in a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship, in a marriage, say your partner asks for a separation or a divorce, one of the things you want to do is if your partner comes to you and tell you, tells you they want a breakup or a separation or a divorce, 
let there be a resting period. Don't react to what they're doing right away because if you do anything right after they break up with you, they're going to be suspect and suspicious about your behaviors, right? One bad thing you don't want to do is your partner breaks up with you and you say, well, I got invited to a huge party in Las Vegas or Ibiza um, and do that the next day. Probably not a good idea <laughs> because even though it's social proof, your partner will be hurt and angered by you doing that. They just broke up with you. Now you're partying with a bunch of guys in a bachelor spot, right? Not a smart thing to do. Let there be a period of quietness and normalization after the breakup before you start to think about implementing social proof, okay? Um, after you do that, as long as you've been behaving in proper ways, you've been accepting, positive, free and loving towards your partner and them breaking up with you, then you can look for opportunities to employ and use social proof. But you got to do it skillfully and you've you got to do it in smart ways and we're going to talk about that. So fourth, all right, how can we implement this? How can we implement scenarios whereby we're using social proof? Because remember, social proof can be a perception thing. It can be kind of manufactured um, as a psychological construct or it can be a, a real value improvement. I could have got accepted to Harvard Law School, for example. I could have got a big job at the White House, um, something like that. Obviously, that's gonna improve my standing. Um, but let's talk about some constructs and some scenarios whereby I can employ and use social proof um, by creating scenarios and situations, right? And what that means is, I, let's just say I've been in a relationship and we've broken up, but me and my partner are still having some contacts. I've been able to keep things open. We're still discussing things. I've been free and loving and positive. Now I want to start to have some um, situations where I want to start to think about using social proof and scarcity, by the way. If you listen to our, our other podcast on scarcity, and which if you haven't, I recommend you do. It's really good. You can employ scarcity and combine it with social proof to create a very powerful psychological dynamic, which creates attraction. All right, let's go through some scenarios here on social proof. Um, so number one, let's just say me and my partner have been communicating even though we're broken up. I've been keeping the channels open, which is a positive thing. So say she messages me at 6 p.m., okay? Um, what I'm going to do in this situation is I'm not going to reply to her tonight after 6 p.m. I'm going to reply to her tomorrow morning at around 10 a.m., and 11 a.m. and I'm just gonna say something to the effect of oh hey sorry I got your message late last night I was at this event um, obviously you need to think about what this event is something that is you know high value something that's going on it's more difficult um, right now because of in the United States and worldwide with the corona thing going on there's a lot of places that are restricted in what you can do so you got to be creative here right but I was at some event and I got your message, but I was busy at this event, just wanted to get back to you. And then you kind of just talked to her a little bit. So what I've done there is I've used both scarcity and social proof. I did not reply to her message right away. I replied the next day. I gently informed her why I didn't reply to her because I was at this event. Um, I have to describe it obviously in some shape, way or form. 
And I am also polite and transparent and positive towards her. Because remember, if your female partner sees in any way that you have spite, resentment, or anger towards them, all of your actions will become suspect, right? Your motivations will be tainted, and they know this. So you must have a set of holistic positive behaviors employed when you're doing this. Anyways, um, I'm using both scarcity and social proof in that example. All right, um, message um, example number two. I've been messaging my partner somewhat frequently. We've been broken up for three or four weeks, but I've kept the communication channels open. She messages me something to tell me something. I message her back in about five or 10 minutes later and I say something to the effect of, Oh, hey, hi, how you doing? I'm sorry, I can't get back to you right now. I'm rushing into this thing, this event, but I'll message you when I get back out. Again, whatever that event is or whatever it is that you have going on, you have to describe. You just can't label it as an event. But you, so you gotta kinda think about these things in advance. The things you're doing, what's going on, perhaps you're going to a concert, a baseball game, a soccer game, a football game. Um, social party, whatever it may be. It can be real or it can be imagined. Now, if it's imagined, you have to make it believable, of course, right? <clears throat> so that's method number two. Um, method number three is we've been broke up for several weeks. We've kept the communication channels open. Things have been positive. We're communicating. Um, and then I mentioned during one of our communications that I'm going with the guys on a weekend camping trip in to Colorado at one of the parks. And so I mentioned that to her. And when you mention things about um, going away like that on a trip, it always makes the other person feel a sense of a loss, right? Like that person is traveling and getting away and they're going away with their friends, they're having fun. It makes you feel a sense of loss. So you get an element of both scarcity and potential social proof in there. Now remember, if you are busy and active and doing things, if you have a strong male tribe, if you have things going on with your work or education, all of those things help to build your status and give you a greater sense of value. So you're using social proof in those ways as well. If you're improving yourself, if I, if I start my own TV show or podcast and it becomes popular, other people see this and hear this, and they look upon me as being more attractive, right? Okay, scenario number four. Again, I've been broken up for a number of weeks. Communication channels are open, things are, we're talking, and my partner, um, my ex-girlfriend, um, asked me about doing something on Saturday. And I might say, oh, hey, I wish I could. I really appreciate that. Maybe we can do something next week or next weekend, but I already had plans on Saturday, me and the guys are going um, hiking up in the mountains. I wish, I wish, if I would have known about this earlier, I, I could have, of course, joined you, but I didn't. So again, I'm going to be gone, I'm hiking with my friends, my male tribe, I've got things going on, I'm busy and active, I have value. Other people want to hang around me. Um, and I'm also combining it with scarcity, right? So scarcity and social proof are two things that you can combine very powerfully together. So those are just four 
examples of how you can use social, social proof to massage and kind of shape how somebody feels about you. You can also combine it, obviously, with, with um, scarcity. You can also combine it with a thing called gifting and kind gestures, right? I can be doing kind gestures with my partner, and then I can be scarce and combine it with social proof all at the same time. Again, even more powerful. All right, so there we have it. There is our scientific background and understanding of the phenomena of social proof. We saw it, it's a psychological phenomenon whereby we look to others to tell us what's good. We know the evolutionary basis, it's in our DNA. It's, in, it's expressed in our genes, it's from herding mentality. We follow the herd, it minimizes risk, it helps us to identify opportunities, to feed, to do other things. Number two, we know your behaviors must be positive when you do this. Uh, you must be free and loving, positive, secure, high value. If you're behaving in ways that whereby you're angering your partner, you're causing resentment, you're causing them to be mad at you, feel disrespected, this will not work. Remember that. Number three, we talked about the stages in a relationship whereby you can be using social proof. And number four, we, we talked through four specific methods and scenarios that you can use. I call those kind of low-grade, light-touch scenarios, right? You can also use higher-grade ones. And you can be doing things to improve your status, getting into um, educational uh, opportunities, improving your job, expanding your friendship network, expanding the, your social network, all those things, if you're wanted and people want to do things with you, will elevate you and make you more attractive. Attractive. All right, so there you have it. We appreciate uh, you taking the chance here and the time to listen to this episode of the podcast. And I want to thank you once again for listening to this episode of the Climbing Henge Podcast. <laughs>